Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. With Vroom, you can shop thousands of cars right from your phone and have your next ride delivered straight to you. I like to look at the listing on my couch. You know, it's peaceful. I can think. Nobody's trying to trying to get one over on me. You know, it's a lot of Tahoes out there. I want a Tahoe. You know, do I really need that package? Well, let me decide for myself. Okay. With Vroom, I can do that. Vroom is the better way to buy your next ride. You never have to haggle or negotiate the price of a car, so you know you're getting a good deal. With thousands of cars available on Vroom.com, you can make sure you get the ride you really want so you don't have to settle. You have a full week or 250 miles, whichever comes first, to make sure your new ride is right for you. Plus, all cars on Vroom.com come with a 90-day limited warranty and one year of roadside assistance nationwide, giving you peace of mind while on the road. You can trade in your old car when you buy your new one, or you can even just sell your car to Vroom. When you sell your car on Vroom, you get a price instantly. You can buy a car from Vroom entirely online, so next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of cars. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Cowboy. Today, Chris interviews an old Patriots friend, Recently retired Devin McCourty. Talk about Super Bowl wins, Super Bowl losses. Devin having to listen to Chris talk about the Eagles win in the Super Bowl over the Patriots down in Miami when they were on the vacation together. Devin's got some great Bill Belichick stories getting reamed out, but also the support he got over the years. Talks about Steve Belichick, the kind of coach he is. Mac Jones on the 2022 Patriots offense. The Raiders game with Jacoby Myers trying to do the spectacular, the Miami miracle. Devin was with the Patriots for a long time. He's got a lot of stories, got a lot of info. We go through it all. Also, we'll be back with a very special Greenlight bonus episode for you on Friday. Won't be there every week, but this week we've got plenty to talk about, so we'll have a little bit of fun. They call me the breeze. I keep blowing and blowing. So you you feel good, but like, dude, you know that stuff wears off. Like next season, you'll be feeling really good physically, and then you'll be watching football, and you won't, like, it's new right now, but then like being free will get old. And and I guess my first question to you, since we haven't even talked since you retired, are you done for sure? Yeah, I'm done. Man, I, I didn't know if 
for sure, towards the end of the season, I had the feeling I was going to be done. Then I had the small shoulder surgery. So I was like, you know, you're in the building, slates in the building every day working out. So I'm just doing my rehab and I'm like, you know what, this week I need to get back into working out if I'm going to play. And I went there for like three days and I was like, nah, I'm over this. I'm done. (laughs) So uh, I have no plans on going back. Okay. Cause like, yeah, I mean, that was going to be the first thing I was going to ask you because like, I feel like everybody's doing it now. They retire. And then they, they unretire. Yeah. You know? I'm too old for that, man. I'm not unretiring at 36. No. No. Are you 36? I'll be 36 in August. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Look how you rounded up. Yeah, man. You know? <laughs> That'd be the football season. I'm not. I know. You're right. Yeah. No, that's the football thing to do is round up. I'm 37. <laughs> I'm 37 for another week. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to hold on to all of it. I can. No, I like, dude, congrats. First off, I, we haven't even fucking talked. And I just, I guess I'm not surprised because you are 36 and that whole thing. And I, you know, there's some background with the contract and that sort of thing, but man, what a good run, dude. Like what an excellent run. I just, I know I bullshit with you a lot, but you should be very proud. I know you are, but like an amazing career, dude. No, I appreciate it, man. It's- that's what I've enjoyed so far. You know why you're playing. It's all about, oh, good year, but, you know, what are you going to do next year? It's all about getting better. So, like, once you know you're done, you're able to kind of look back at your career, think about some of the games you played in, some of the accolades you've gotten. Um, and to me, that's been fun so far, just sitting there reminiscing. Uh, even a quick little meeting I had with Bill, we kind of reminisced about our first ever meeting and encounter. Uh, so that's just been fun so far, just being able to do those things as well. Yeah, and getting the text from people, you know, it's oh. like retirement's cool because I always say this: like, if you want to, like, if if you want people to say something really nice about you, die or <laughs> retire. Like, retirement is basically a loophole for us. Like, we can kind of hear all the nice stuff, and we're still we're still we're not six feet under. So it's kind of nice to get the text and all the things that people wait to say to you. Yeah, like true. I would I would never say anything nice to you. But, you know, since you're you're retired. uh, It is is funny, though, because it's like a lot of people feel like when you retire from football, like that is death. Like people always like, what what else can you possibly do if you got to play football for a long period of time? But it's cool seeing like guys like you talking to Jules and my brother who have retired. And now you look at what they're doing. And I'm not saying it's the same but to see you guys, I'm like, they're having fun. Like, I I yeah. think this is the second or third time I've been on your podcast, like, yeah. just having fun talking. So uh, that that also helped me out, I think, making a decision. Is there anything you're afraid of? Like, it, like are you afraid right now? It's okay to be afraid of retirement because it is, like, it's a big empty slate. Like, is there anything that kind of spooks you going into it? I think idle time and not knowing how much, like, I'll miss playing. Like, you right. don't know that until you're done. Like, Last year, me and my brother talked about it when he was going through the process and he was like, man, he's like, there's no pickup football games. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to just one weekend decide to go, no. you know, get a nice run. So I think that does bring some fear because um, I'm healthy. Like, it's not like I'm retiring because, you know, my legs can't go anymore. Or I have a bad knee or something like I feel pretty good. Um, so I'm kind of anxious to see when September rolls around or the Pats play a big game in December or something. I'm like, damn, I should still be doing that. Um, But I think some of those fears will go away when I kind of know exactly what I'll be doing, um, which I'm working on now. Yeah. Like the, uh, the whole thing of, you know, there's only a couple ways to get out of the game. They're going to tell you how 
or your injury yep. is gonna gonna cause it, or there's a third one which guys rarely do, and they walk away while they're still healthy. And I just wonder like how long you were thinking about this thing because I can remember the back half of my career, I was always thinking about it. You know, like you try to be present, but you also got to plan for the future, and you got to like try to time up that exit strategy. And I kind of wonder how much of it for you was like, hey, I don't want to play anywhere else. Like I I don't want to I don't want to move my family. Like I I know for me I was like. I don't want to pick up and take my kids out and play for the Seahawks or the Niners and like up uproot my family. You just get tired. I don't know how much of it was that for you. Yeah, man. I think you know I've been very fortunate to be you know on one team for thirteen seasons. So I think because of that, you get spoiled. So like the idea of even picking up and moving. And me and my wife thought about it a couple of times because um, it was like, man, we'll go on vacation, basically, like go play in Vegas or L.A. or yeah. Miami, some like nice location. But then you kind of actually put real thought in it. And you're just like, you know, my kids now, we had a school that they go to when we're back in New Jersey, school system in Massachusetts. So everything fit in perfectly. Um, but, yeah, I spent a lot of time going back and forth. Um, but when I knew I was really done is when I started to look at, like, what playing another season meant. And, like, the only thing I could really think about was, like, being number one all-time in interceptions, trying to get, you know, 40 interceptions, trying to get to $100 million made. None of it included, really, all of the reasons I had played for 13 years, you know, going and winning a championship or, you know, long running the playoffs and things like that. Like, I start to actually think about the things that I always said I wouldn't only play for. So once that started happening more and more for me, uh, this offseason, I was like, I think this is a sign telling me, you know, because the last thing I wanted to do was just come back and be be shitty. Like, I didn't want to yeah. ever play a season where it was like, you know, this guy's just bad. You know, as you get older, no matter what, if you miss a tackle or you miss a play, everyone's like, yeah, it's because he's old. Even though you could still have a great season and play mm-hmm. well, any bad play is because you're old. Uh, and I didn't want to come back and play a season where I felt like I was just really bad. Now, you could still play at a high level, but were there things like, I can remember things when I got to be 33, going on 34, the way you put it, but like, um, where you're like, ah, this feels different, or one play where you're like, hey, that guy's faster than, I (laughs) I remember tight ends being uh, 10 years ago, or like, were there moments over this past year or two that you were like a little bit humbled, and you were like, ah, I'm still really good, but the game's changing? Oh, a bunch of times. Um, Yeah. And I think also, like, you know, like when you're in New England, it's not like other places where you're like, man, that guy never practices on Wednesday. Or, you know, he gets – everyone made a huge deal because one one week this year I had a vet day. <laughs> and, you know – I so would have made think, a big deal. Right? And it, it was just crazy. <laughs> I had a vet day, I think it was like week 12 of my 13th year, and it was just like, whoa, what is going on here? Um, but I had a, a lot of those moments I felt like in practice, too. The idea of playing a game and then practicing full speed on Wednesday started to feel, like, really impossible. Like, I would go out there some Wednesdays and just be like, I have nothing in the tank. And then there would be games. Even once we got to Sunday, I'd be like, this doesn't feel good. Like, I, I'm, I would go to the facility. I went from going in, like, maybe three hours before the game to like now I was at four and a half hours before the game to get worked on it to get ready to go. And that's been the last like two or three years. So once all of that starts happening, like, you know, (laughs) you know, the clock's ticking, like you're just kind of on your way out. 
Um, but I will say I, I enjoyed a lot of the time mentoring and, and still teaching a lot of those younger guys, especially in the safety room, uh, which is always a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, it's like the older you get, the more time you want to spend with your family. If you have a family, your kids are getting older, and then the more time you actually have to give the game. It's yeah. like both those things are going, they're up, you know, and, uh -huh. and I think it just becomes harder and harder to, to justify, all right, on Tuesday, my day off, I'm going to be in the chair for 12 hours getting worked on. I'm not uh -huh. going to see my family. The entire off season, I'm going to need to go to a special place to train, the whole thing. I got to go to Germany. I went to Germany for stem cell, like shit like that. And, uh -huh. you know, just all the little things that you do to pull out the stops, like there is a cost, you know, on the people around you. And so I, I, I do think that factors in. Yeah, it's definitely like you said, it's like those two things are going on a full speed collision. And it's yep. like, you know, you're going to have to stop doing them, doing one of them at a certain time. But you just got to think we all as players have to pick and choose that time that it doesn't ruin whatever we have left, whether it's family, sometimes it's other job opportunities, sometimes it's your mental, your physical yeah. health. Um, you got to know, you know, when to avoid that and get off that train. What are you going to what are you going to miss the most about? being a football player and that's just like all year long being a football player they're little things that you're like i can't get that anywhere else uh what what would those things be uh i think game day uh is probably one of the biggest but i think for me one of the things that you know i think is the leadership role uh getting in a circle before the game and each man coming in there kind of looking at you to give like a little inspiration or a little food for thought of what we're about to do. Um, I think I had, I really enjoyed that. No point in my career did I really have that. Like in high school, I wasn't a captain. Um, I wasn't a captain until my last year in college. Uh, so my time in New England, like I really like kind of flourished in, in a leadership role and, and being able to replace certain people that were in New England, whether it was Vince, then Mayo, uh, Tom, like those different guys that were like the ultimate captains there. Um, and then getting to do that with Slate. But each Sunday, knowing, you know, like I'm about to get in a circle and say something to these guys to get them going. Um, but I think the thought of like those guys coming and anticipating that and feeling like I can't let them down, I got to bring my best uh, each and every game and each and every day. Um, I don't know where you where else you can get that feeling other than your little rugrats looking at you, but yeah, they don't right. want to listen. <laughs> you know, they don't want to listen to you most of the time. No, they're in the circle, but they're looking off. <laughs> they're not thinking about the game, dude. Well, all right, so this is this might be a longer list, and I remember I did this uh, on the podcast, but, like, what's some shit you're not going to miss? Because that's ultimately why you retire, because there's so much stuff. And, it's, and it makes it easier to be retired, because whenever I feel like I miss the game, or, like, when I went to the NFC Championship and I saw, like, all my old teammates – celebrating beating the Niners or going to another Super Bowl, it was it was okay for me because I was like, I know what it took to do this for them, and I wasn't willing to do that. And if I'm not willing to do all these things that I don't miss, then I can't possibly say I missed the game on that level where I'd actually think, what are the things that you, you aren't going to miss about the process? Obviously training camp. Um, Change and then, like I said earlier, and, and like training camp this past year, easy. Yeah, compared to like what you know, but and I'm still in there like, man, I'm tired of this. <laughs> but like in reality of every all the training camps I've been through, I was like, this is so easy. This is not normal. Um, I think the training that especially as I got older, like we talked about that the last two years, like I started training, I think a week after the season. It wasn't like right. this super hard training, but it was like always thinking about not vacationing, not being away too long to make sure I can keep that training. Um 
And I, and I think the biggest thing for me is meetings. Like oh. I, I'm, I'm so happy that I don't have to sit in anymore, especially when you're on one team for 13 years. Like we would start a meeting and guys be sitting next to me and I would start hitting all the things Bill's about to say. Because yeah. it's the same meeting you've been in for 13 yeah. years. So just knowing that I won't have to sit in another meeting about the philosophy of the New England Patriots defense and, you know, we'll have to be a smart, fundamentally tough football team. Like not hearing that uh-huh. over and over again. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about it. But I know at one point I'll miss it. Yeah. Um, because like you said, being like watching the only time I actually knew I was going to retire, but then the playoffs started. And like when you watch the playoffs, it's like, man, like I, I want to be back in that. And, you know, and then as a, a month kind of went by, we got into March. I was like, yeah. I think I'll enjoy watching and talking about it's that fun. game. It's fun. It's fun. Are you going to gamble? I don't know, man. I, I'm going to see. I've never been big into gambling, but you, freaking <laughs> Jules, like I always see the stuff y'all do all over my social media. Yeah, it's it, that's by design. We're trying to get you hooked in, bro. It's actually <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and it keeps you involved in the game and the competitive juices of like having an opponent being Las Vegas and uh, and, and trying to beat Vegas, which you barely ever do. But it's really hard, and it, it's fun. It gives you something to pass the time. I mean, like, uh, never say never. And another thing you're going to love is the fucking fall. Like, dude, and the month of July, oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I don't know. You have to think about what's, what's coming ahead. Oh, bro, the train that you can hear in the distance is going to run you over. Like, you know, the, the end of July, the whole month of July, I just remember it was always, I could be in the most beautiful place in the world, but I had this dark cloud over my head that people just can't identify with. Uh, but if you're a player, you know, and then, you know, like my first July out, I was like, man, there is nothing to answer to. The birds are chirping. Like I can actually go outside and not think about, oh, it's hot outside. Oh, that reminds me of training camp, yeah. you know, like shit, shit like that. So it's just so nice. And then August and then the leaves change and I'm not all hopped up on tort all. And I'm not, you know, shuffling <laughs> to my bathroom, <laughs> trying to walk after the game. Like things are just. And then you get to go to some games and get to tailgate, and that's okay. I mean, that's a, I'd rather watch it at home, but I, it's pretty cool. You got some good stuff that you're going to look forward to. Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, like, when you talked to Bill, was he surprised? And how did that conversation go? I know you guys shared some memories and everything, but, like, was he surprised at all? No, it was cool, man. I actually, I actually called uh, RKK the night before because I found out he wasn't going to be in the building. Um, which was also a cool conversation. You know, RKK was kind of like, you know, I'm happy for you, but I'm sad because I, I still want you to be on this team. Um, and then I went in there and talked to Bill the next day. Uh, and he was like, man, I think you're making a good decision for, you know, yourself, your family. Um, and it was like all just great energy, positive. Yeah. Um, we kind of, you know, we talked about, Meeting for the first time, we talked about kind of Rutgers. As I know you love to hear, I love uh, and just and just talk my career as a you know being a leader and different things um, that he's helped me with that I've helped him with. So it was really cool, I think, for me um, to come to the decision. But then also before I went public, was go talk to RKK and talk to Bill because yeah. uh, obviously they've been huge in my career. I think to get drafted somewhere and to stay all those years, you know, it has to be a lot of you know, fun and working together and, you know, keeping something going. Um, so what, but it, it was what you would expect. Like you're never going to go in there and think you're about to have like an hour long conversation with Bill. That's not about like game plan and, 
you know, watching film. So it was a good like 10, 15 minutes. I was going to ask, like he wraps things up quick, dude. He's one of the greatest all-time Patriots. I was going to ask over under 15 minutes, but it sounds like under. Yeah. If I had to guess, I wasn't looking at the time, but I would definitely guess under 15 minutes. Like <laughs> It's just not like, and again, it would have been very awkward if we sat in there for 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't know what we would have talked about for 45 <laughs> minutes other than like, let's go, let's watch some tape over like your best plays. Like if I would have told World them World War Two, you could have watched some World War Two stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, history. watch some, some great games, you know, that, you know, he wanted my opinion on before I left the building, something like that. Other than that, it's just not going to be long, but it was, for me, it was really cool. I think because I, I've only played for one coach. So, yeah. um, I think our relationship um, and the way we've been able to kind of help each other out from a captain's role, sitting and talking about different things that we had go on with our team, especially like all the social justice stuff. Um, yeah. We've had a lot of like very meaningful conversations. Um, so to be able to sit in there and, you know, just kind of reminisce uh, was really cool for me. What do you think's the maddest Bill's ever been at you? That was a great conversation. Like, how about a bad one? Uh, the worst conversation I've ever had with him, my second year, struggling, my second year. And uh, Josh Boyer, my corners coach, uh, set me up to. Like, Boyer didn't, like, he comes in, and I think we were having, I think I was supposed to meet with him. And he was like, hey, I made a cut up. Bill wants to meet with you for a second. So I was like, all right. Man, I sit down in Bill's office for an hour, an hour. We watched, he started off with like three good plays from my rookie year, maybe four. And then for the rest of the hour, we watched bad play after bad play. Missed tackles, pass interferences, like anything that I did for the last like two years at that time. We watched the shit you thought, the shit you think you get away with when he doesn't call you out in the meeting. You're like, all right, no, but we're never going to watch this play again. Oh, I mean, when I walked out of the meeting, like Mayo saved me because I walk out and I'm like, shit, I'm going to get cut. Like I just watched an hour long film with the head, not the defensive coordinator, with the head coach about how bad I am. I'm like, this is, and I walk out and I tell Mayo, I'm like, yo. I just met with Bill for an hour, bro. All bad plays. And you know, Mayo, Mayo goes, ah, oh, don't worry about that. He did that to me too. <laughs> yeah, that's when I wasn't playing well. He did that. And he might have been lying, but at the time, uh-huh. I yeah, needed that. I was, like, that. I was like, oh, all right. I'll be okay then. Okay. <sighs> Mayo's doing a great Mayo might be a head coach someday. I think he, I think he will be. I, yeah. think, I think there's a chance he might be the Patriots head coach someday. Yeah, who, okay, let's play su- succeed Bill because he can't coach to 100 years old. I kind of wondered. I wonder if it was going to be Josh. You know, I like- thought Josh, when Josh came back, you know, after uh, supposedly going to Indy and then coming back, I was like, all right, obviously he came back, you know, to be the next head coach. Then he goes to Vegas. Um, I think it's Mayo, though. I think obviously not a ton of coaching experience, um, but I think he has great experience of leading men. Yeah. Um, when he left, obviously he was a great captain for us when I was yeah. there, but then he left, got into the business world and was crushing it in the business world. Uh, even now, if you talk to him, like I'm sure when he goes on these interviews, it's not just like this football player or this coach coming. You get like CEO vibes from Mayo. He starts yeah. talking about different things. Like I always laugh because he always tells us and he says it to the media. He was like, you know, this defense, this defense is a blank canvas. 
And you guys, you paint whatever you want on the canvas. <laughs> Just stay on the canvas. Yeah. That's uh -huh. what we're trying to create. Uh -huh. And he says that, and I'll be sitting there like, bro, you're talking to a bunch of football players. They're not putting all that together. It they sounds like a TED talk. I mean. It sounds like a fucking TED talk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he has those abilities that I think as an owner, if I met with him, I would want to hire him in a heartbeat. Yeah, so like setting the odds here, a little gambling, he'd be like your odds on favorite and then give me like a wild card maybe. Oh, a wild card? See, to me, a wild card that shouldn't be a wild card uh, would probably be Stevie B, would be Steve mm. Belichick. He's a Belichick. He's now been the coordinator. Kind of, I know it's not on paper, but Pseudo he's been the coordinator, coordinator, right? coordinator for the last like three or four years. Yeah. Defenses have all performed very well. And it's, it's a combination between him and Mayo running it. Yeah. Um, but I think, obviously, if you hire him, you still get Bill. You still get everything, you know, that he's done. You get his knowledge because he's not going to just leave his son. Um, but I think both those guys will have a chance to be head coaches someday. Yeah, and you get the, like, he's a little bit more toned down. Like, I, I really hit it off with Steve. He came on this show. I couldn't believe mm -hmm. it. I had Steve on here for, like, 35 minutes, we were bullshitting, telling stories. He was, like, out of his shell. Was it uh, when Steve, you first met Steve, was it hard to, like, I'm going to be honest, like, hey, listen, I got a, a dad who played, and he's got a dad who coached. So the routes are a little different because my dad can't get me a job as a player. But was it hard respecting him in the beginning and, like, what did he do to earn people's respect and what do you think is good about Steve? Because I really respected him. I liked him as a guy. Yeah, not for me. I think the one thing that I've loved about Steve is honesty. Yeah. Like, I remember Steve Steve takes over. Um, I forgot who left. I think Pat Graham left. Flo's moving to linebacker coach. And Steve said Bill tells him two weeks before the offseason program starts that he's going to be the safety coach. Mm -hmm. So he comes in there. Now he's walking in a room. It's me, Pat Chung, Deron Harmon, Nate Ebner. So he's walking in, and we got all these veterans – I'm older than Steve. Pat's older than Steve. He played with Duran, and he's probably like the same age as Nate. Mm -hmm. And he walks in there and he goes, yo, I'll be honest with y'all. I don't know what the F I'm doing right now. My dad <laughs> told me two weeks ago that I was even going to have this job. And now I'm just sitting here like, I don't know what, the, like, what's next. Yeah. And that first year, we all just worked together. Um, and then now, so now when I look at him, I think his growth has come because of the honesty, yeah. not coming in saying like, you know, my dad's Bill Belichick. I was born to coach. Like I'm going to do this. Nah, he came in there and it was like, I'm going to learn from some veterans that I got in this room, take advantage of that opportunity that I get. And I'm going to grow as a coach. And yeah. I think now you look at him, the games he's coached in, you know, like the game we played against Tampa back in 2021, like that's one of the biggest games. You got Tom Brady coming back. It's one of our better performances of the year. We fell yeah. short, but like we went out there and played tough with Brady. Um, and I think that has come from Steve just continuing to build year in and year out. Cash App, the easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people. And that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies. We all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin. Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You want to remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, 
That's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're going to be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall. Uh, every Thursday at 4.30 on AMP. Uh, check us out. Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to improve my gut health, boost my energy, enhance my immune system, and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And now we podcasters at Greenlight are getting on the AG1 train. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. I get up every morning, the first thing I do is uh, I I mix in some AG1 with some water, that's all I need, tastes great. Uh, It definitely has improved my digestion, keeping me regular. Sorry if that's TMI, but I'm feeling good. I think it's helped my energy level. I think there's a, a ton of ways that AG1's helped me and I probably have no idea. That's the great thing about this. It's gonna surprise you. Your life's gonna get better in ways that you don't even realize. Ready to take on my day, ready to hit the record button on the podcast, ready to go. Also, the cost of AG1 is less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash greenlight. That's athleticgreens.com slash greenlight. Check it out. Was there ever a time for you, I was just thinking about it, just as long as you've been there and all, where you were almost not a patriot? Like, um, was there ever a time in free agency or did you ever get to free agency? I remember we used to make fun of you because you had this huge contract. We had the big... We had the big, uh, we had a big uh, blown up picture of your name as like the the market setting safety big time. But did you ever hit the market? Were you ever close to being traded, or uh, were you ever close to leaving in free agency? Uh, the legal tampering stuff made everything real. Like it was once that started, I knew I knew I had other teams I were interested in. Um, so the first time I was a free agent, um, Revis also came for that one year. Revis was a free agent. So I think the team, you know, I'm the, I'm the, you know, born in Patriot. We got to keep them, but it's like, we got a chance to keep Darrell Revis. Yes. I think like once it fell through with Revis, I think that's when they came back. But that year, um, talking to Philadelphia and Jacksonville, um, I was pretty close and leaving, but I wanted, you know, you, you play on a team for five years and then your fifth year, you win a Super Bowl and the team's still like, you still got Brady. So, so mm-hmm. I wanted to go back. Um, but I, I knew, like, I was like, I want to get paid. Um, and the night before free agency opens, uh, was Bill called me. I talked to Crab, talked to my agents, and we got everything done. Um, by like the next morning, um, right before I was actually going to ESPN that day, 
Um, but you know the crazy thing? 13 years in New England, I've never signed an extension. I've always had to play out my whole contract and then go to free agency. Never, never have signed an extension. So everybody's always like, man, you've made a lot of money. And I'm like, it's because to me, that's the beauty. If a team doesn't allow you to sign an extension, um, like my my going into my fifth year, they offer something super low. We countered super high. And then they were like, all right, you know, we're too far apart. We'll just wait to the end of the season. So I remember when I first heard that, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not important. Okay. (laughs) So when I got the free agency, I was like, all right, well, now there is no deal. Like, there's no discount. There's none of that. So that's why I made my – each time I got to free agency, I could choose where I wanted to go. So I used that as leverage. Damn, you were almost an eagle, huh? I was close, 2015. Do do you hate the Eagles? Like you know, because because of the yeah, I don't the have much love for the Eagles. No, no, seriously. Like you, you don't like you didn't like our our whole team, huh? No, the problem what I hate the most about the Eagles, it was probably during that stretch. One of the teams I knew probably a ton of the guys. <laughs> like when we were in Miami after y'all beat us in the Super Bowl, it's you, is Malcolm, is Rodney, L. Uh, Legarrett's on the team. Like it's a bunch of people. Me and Lane Johnson had the same age, and like it's. Oh, it's man. all these people that have all these connections to me. Uh, and I'm just like, somebody, like a lot of you guys, I'm like, I consider friends. So I'm like, I'm happy they won a Super Bowl. But I'm also like, the whole time we were in Miami together, everybody's like, oh, Chris, man, congrats. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I get it. Congrats, Chris. Great well, for you. You know what? You only had like seven of them. So I mean, no, only got three, bro. You got two. I got yeah, three. I get it. But yeah, I mean, you know, all the same team, the whole thing. I, uh, do you have a favorite Super Bowl that you played in? The one with my brother by far. And yeah. we go we go three years in a row, win with you in 16. You guys beat us in 17. But in 17, it was like there was no defense on the field for either team. Like it was just up and down scoring touchdowns. Um, so to go back the next year and hold the Rams, who were like super high powered, to three points, uh, to me, that was just like, all right. Just put a little bit of a stamp and made last year not not. I mean, it didn't feel better, but just I guess not feel uh, as the worst thing that ever could happen um, to come back and win in that fashion. So zooming in on that Eagles Super Bowl, give me what Bill really thought about us. Did he think? Did he respect us? Did he? Th- well, he respects anybody at that stage, but was he afraid of us or what? Like you know how you can kind of get a tone of how a coach feels about a game. Well, you know, I'll what- never. I've never heard him address a Super Bowl game differently. Like, he's always been the same. Like, if we do this against this team, that'll be it. Like, with y'all, all we heard for two weeks was crush, rush, and chase. Uh That's all we heard. These ends, they don't care about anything. They're getting up the field. If it's in front of them and it's a run, they're going to dive inside and try to make the tackle. Yeah. If it's a drop back Not pass, me, though. I like to play it by the book there, Dev. It was the 2016 in me that was where Jim, Jim, Jim Schwartz was like, you got to get up the field more. I was like, I can't. I got to play my block. <laughs> Your Patriot way stay yeah. with you. Yeah. Crush Russian. That's good. That's funny. Yeah. That's Because, you know, he coached with Jim Schwartz. So that's all he used to tell. That's what he talked yeah. about. Yeah. What about what about the Rams Super Bowl? What, when it, what, what did you expect going into that game? In retrospect, did you expect to be low scoring like that? And what was the key for y'all? Was it Gurley not being healthy, or what was it? So I'll say this: I, I would say that's probably the best I felt as a defense going in 
because it, it just seemed like we had like this kind of like super veteran group on defense because um, it was me, my brother, Steph, Chung, Duran, Jonathan mm-hmm. Jones, Hightower, Van Oy, Trey Fly. Like we had had a group at this point that had played together for, you know, three or four years, a lot of the same guys. So as we just continue to watch film and we're like, this team knows us, we play 95% man to man. And we're coming into the game and we're like, you know what? We're going to play 80% zone on first and second down. Yeah. So we just keep going over the game plan, keep going over the game plan, keep seeing things. Um, so we knew if we did a good job against the run, it would be hard for them to live in the play action world that they lived in. Um, I do think Todd Gurley not being, you know, whatever was wrong with him, I know nothing yeah. really ever came out. Yeah. Um, but him not being effective really changed the game. But I'll say throughout that game, we thought, that they were going to give us something a little different at some point. But it was just like, I think we outcoached them and outplayed them that game. I thought our staff did a great job, um, you know, with B-Flow uh, running the defense that year. I thought he did a great job of being aggressive, but also understanding we had lived in blitz zero uh, and some key moments throughout that season. And our last two games against the Chiefs and against the Rams, the more we watched, it was kind of like, we don't want to blitz zero these teams, like maybe once, maybe twice. And those last two games, I think we did it three times. And uh, each time we did it, it, it worked perfect. Steph got the interception against the yeah. Rams. That was really decided moment. Your defense was so different that year. It was like adding Steph and those guys outside. It just changed everything y'all could do. I mean, you you mentioned it in 2016. It was like, I know that had to piss Bill off so bad because you lost the Super Bowl. That's one thing, but you lost it. You know, because the the defense personnel wasn't what it usually yep. is. Like they, there were guys out there that I was like, no offense to some of the guys, but they just weren't up to y'all standard. And you know, I just looked at that and I, I was like, they're gonna reload. And boy, did y'all reload! Like y'all were not y'all were gonna win that game thirteen three if y'all won a Super Bowl. It was like Bill was gonna make sure that you guys rolled it on defense. And it was crazy too because like we weren't good the whole year. Right. It was like we hit a pat a patch in the season where it was like, yo, we got to go. Yeah. Um, and then I think like that group kind of turned around um, and really started playing elite ball. And I thought the year before losing Jonathan Jones and the playoffs really killed us because he was our communicator. We had Eric Rowe um, with Steph and Malcolm Butler. But like when Jay Jones was in there, he was the communicator. Those other guys, they don't talk much. So in 18, coming back and having Jay Jones healthy and then my brother come in, who was another good communicator, I thought really changed the group for us as a secondary um, and allowed us to play better ball. You mentioned Malcolm Butler. I'm not going to ask you to tell me why, but what was that like when, like, because I've talked to you about this. I don't feel like you had an answer. Like, man, man, you you and me, like, you're my dude. uh, You're not hiding anything. I don't know if you know. Yeah, and you saw even at Radio Row this year at the Super Bowl, Malcolm was uh, he was there saying he's ha- he's going to have a book and a documentary coming out because think about if there was something to know. We're years past all those guys on the team. You've never heard anybody like none of us knew. I mean, matter of fact, the next year I remember meeting with Flo, and Flo was like, "Hey, like we just got to make sure like that whole situation doesn't affect the team this year." Yeah. He was like, because he was like, I look back at Seattle when we played them in a the Super Bowl and they don't run the ball. He was like, it kind of seemed like that was the end to that team. Like they never, you know, got back to the Super Bowl. And that team was so talented. Like that mm-hmm. Seattle team had everything. He's like, I just don't want that to destroy us. But like 
till this day, I still don't know like the exact reason why he didn't play. Mm-hmm. I, I was sitting there when I saw he's coming out with a book and a documentary. I said, I can't wait to. Read I can't it. wait to buy it. I'm gonna be yeah. fucking. Uh, yeah. That's what Gilly, Gilly actually texted me. He was like, Yeah, I'm gonna buy this book ASAP. <laughs> no question. I'm gonna get the audio book. I hope Malk. Yeah. I hope Malk is is the uh, is the voice. I hope he he's the voice of his own audio book. <laughs> that'd be that'd be. Yeah. Well, there'd be a lot of people that's not from down south that won't <laughs> be, be like, what the fuck is that? Um, uh, okay, uh, there's two games I want to ask you about that weren't Super Bowls, and I want to know what the reaction was in the locker room and how the plane rides were. Number one, most recently, the Vegas game this past year. Because I got to tell you, Dev, I know that you're retired, you can kind of laugh it off. But I was like, yo, what the fuck just happened, dude? I know everybody's reaction was that, was that and it was like the most unpatriot thing ever. And I just wonder, like, how that plane ride home was. You know, the funny thing, before we even got to the plane, I'm walking out the stadium, and I hear, McCordy, McCordy, I fucking love you, McCordy. So I turn, so I'm like, who's calling me like this, being an a-hole? I turn around, it's Jules. (laughs) So me and Slate walk back. Jules is, like, in the little club area. Yeah, which is really nice. So before I can even get on a plane, we got Jules down here going in mm-hmm. on the whole game, mm-hmm. cursing us out about everything that went wrong. Um, but I would say times are different, man. Like we got on the plane and I thought like there would be a little bit of a like, man, I'm like just quiet, just silence on the plane. Yeah. But it's like guys get on the plane and it's just like, all right, well, that's over. Laughing, joking. Like it's just it's just a different element, man. And um, I was kind of surprised, but I think it, I think it also is kind of, I think this newer generation has an ability to move on even better. Like when I was in college, I remember if we lost a game, we'd be like this on a plane. Yo, we'd all just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like no one would talk. And sometimes I'd be drunk, like, I'd be drunk yeah, and quiet. But I would be like, is this what's best to like move forward and play the next week? No, it's um, something in between. It's something in between exactly. because everybody processes it differently. You know, you, you, you can't be the guy that's like, shut the fuck up. Like on the yeah. plane after a loss, like that's not going to win the game. We should have, where was that? Where was that during the fourth quarter? You know, exactly. where, and a lot of times on teams that are unraveling a little bit, like you get a lot of that. You get a lot of tight asshole where people after mm-hmm. the fact are all mad at each other, but there's no, like there's leadership. You have leadership, but like the guys that are all mad, like where were you in the third quarter? Yeah. Like our plane ride was kind of chill. Like. You know, I mean, honestly, there was probably small groups laughing about it because like what like what else? You, what else are you supposed to do? Like we're on the bench as a defense and we're like, all right, we're going to overtime. Uh, kind of pissed that we let up the touchdown yeah. to drive before to tie the game up. But it's like, yo, bet now we're going to we were actually talking about overtime. Then we had two moments in that game right before the half. Me and Mayo, they're about to punt. We're about to punt. Me and Mayo's down there. Josh doesn't, Josh McDaniels, Josh doesn't call any timeouts uh, as we're on our last like couple plays. So now we're about to punt. And me and May, I'm like, May, I don't think they're going to do anything. They're going to take a knee. Five seconds later, we snap the ball. Nobody's ready. They block a punt. Mm. And it's like, so they end up scoring before they, mm-hmm. <laughs> scoring before they have. And in that play, at the end of the game, where it's like you get on there and you're just like, 
Yeah, what did we really just witness? <laughs> well, no, what, I, I have to ask because I'm a big fan of Jacoby Meyer, and I'm glad he got the bag. And it's ironic that it's it's Vegas. It looked like he had started his his, his tenure there early, but like, did you see his press conference? No, what did he say? They asked him about it, and he was he started laughing like, "Man, I've been waiting <laughs> on this. I knew y'all were gonna ask me." Uh, but that's why he's such a great dude. He talked about the growth he got, yeah. not from the play or anything. He said what he really saw was his teammates coming and consoling him. He said so it taught him how to be a better teammate for if somebody else is in a bad situation after a tough Whoa. loss of how to – what's the name? A great, great dude, man. What do you think about when uh, Osai made that fucked up play at the sideline in the AFC Championship? Because I think they might win that game. Uh, he pushes Mahomes out of bounds, and then Jermaine Pratt in the, in the hallway is like, you fucked it up. This is my last game. And the funniest thing is he re-signed with the Bengals in free agency. So it's not his last game. And I was kind of like, I've never been the person to like, you can't change what just happened, right? Exactly. Like you just, there's nothing you can do about it. And the last thing I want is a guy that I'm going to need to depend on later, just wreck his soul. So he, so he shrinks in the moment the next time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've always felt like that. Like, I don't think, I think like from the outside looking in, a lot of people think leadership is like cursing people out, being loud. But like I've never thought that. I've never been around somebody that's done that, and I've been like, man, that's a great leader. Yeah, so, yeah what, like, so what is leadership? Because to me, it's communication is like number one. Like if you're a great leader, you got to communicate. You know, you got you got to reach out to people. When somebody's having a hard time, you got to go, go, you know, pick that person uh -huh. up. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is like sometimes being like the player a-hole. Like there's always going to be moments that the coaches want you to do stuff, and you just don't want to do it. And it's going to be the whole group. And it's like sometimes it's being that guy like, hey, man, everybody shut the F up. Like, this is what we got to do. Yeah. Let's go do it. Yeah. Let's go knock that out. And not jumping on the why are we in full pads? Why Like, why are we doing this? It's deciding like, all right, I probably don't want to do this shit either right now. But overall, like, this will help us win. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like developing a relationship with the guys on the team. Like, why is Matthew Slater – such a great leader to so many different people. He has a real relationship with everybody. Yeah. Like he spends time talking to people, getting to know their family background. Like to me, that's leadership. Like anybody can stand in front of you, yell and scream. But like, if I know, if I know you and I know your why, and I know your family, I know that you played some tough years in St. Louis. You came to New England. You just want to win. You like, if I know those things about you, I know like in a tough game or if you're having a bad game, like, I know what to remind you of or yeah. how to get you going again. Um, to me, that's leadership. Like, yelling at somebody that had a bad penalty, like, he knows. Yeah, he, he <laughs> like, knows, he knows dude. He's going to know the rest of his know. life. He's going to know yeah. the rest of his life. No, I mean, you're so right, though, and, and it is like – but to do the thing you just talked about, I think the number one thing with leadership is giving a fuck about the people around you. Yep. Like, you can't be a leader without caring about the guys on your team. Because if you don't care about the guys on the team, that comes through in every interaction. Um, yeah, like you've I, had guys that are leaders that you'd be like, yo, they're just leading because they want they want people to see them with the camera. breaking down the team. Yeah, like, and it's so obvious because of what they talk about. It'll mm -hmm. be about them or it'll be about, it won't be about the individuals around them because they don't know that and mm -hmm. they don't care. Mm -hmm. But like you're around some leaders, like even Tom, like I saw Tom in Tampa uh, worse um did an interview and he was like yeah i don't even have tom's number and he texted him and was like hey this is an upgrade your your lease on your car and he's like what who is this no nah, i'm just joking buddy it's tom i never <laughs> wanted you to do another interview and say you didn't have my number that's good 
like you do something like that, that's yeah. like you're paying attention to what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And like when you're especially when you're him, yeah. like your teammates like, man, that was pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, it's like he doesn't need to give a fuck about me. So <laughs> the second game I wanted to ask you about was the Miami Miracle. <laughs> down in so, Miami, yeah. the, the the big the big hook and ladder festival that beat y'all down in Miami. That game I was pissed because I was I got taken out to bring Ooh. to bring Gronk in. Mm. So and he, ball, he looked like a Jake out there, dude. Bro, the ball was on like the minus twenty nine or thirty, and we go last play jump ball, and I'm like, who's who's about to throw the ball seventy five yards to get the ball? Like who? Like what are we doing? Yeah. So then, like the play breaks out, and the the funniest thing, but not funny, was this happened. So I'm pissed. So I'm right on the sideline as Drake scoring. So I run right in the locker room. And if we win the game, we we win the division. So it's a yeah. hat and t-shirt game. Yeah. All the hats and t-shirts are on the chair because we're up six seconds with them on the negative 30. I run in there and Brendan New is in there, runs full speed. Get the fucking hat and t-shirts out of here. Get them <laughs> out. And the other guys in the equipment on the equipment staff are like, what? What happened? He was like, we effing lost. So the panic of those guys because the last thing they want is like Bill to come in there and, and see it. Oh, he lighted the oh, locker room on fire, crazy. dude. Oh, that that was one of the worst. But again, the next day we come in there and Flo comes in there um to us as a defense and he goes, Listen, everyone might not say that say this around here. You guys didn't play a great game defensively. He said, But you guys played good enough to win. We failed you as coaches. You, he's. I don't care what anybody says to you. You played well enough to win that game. We failed as coaches. Now let's not let that affect the rest of our season. And I thought that was just the realest thing to come in there because, you know, in our business, you'll hear like the cliche, you know, like we lost as a team. But then like the rest of the meeting is watching the film of all the wrong we've done. Like, it's never like, this is a bad call. This is a bad call. Like, I blew that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's him, never. No. <laughs> him coming in there saying that, not to like a look like a couple of the guys, him saying that to the whole defense. I, and I mean, even the next week we even went down the pit and lost again. But I thought that like created a kind of bond with the group of like, all right, like I'm down to go to war with this guy for the rest of this year. Like if we, if we lose, we lose, but uh, I'm ready to go all in with him. Watching the B flow thing from the outside looking in, what are your thoughts over the last couple of years? Like the whole Miami stuff? Yeah, just like the whole, you know, firing and some of the the, the accusations of uh, you know, I'm I'm not shocked um by what <laughs> B flow's talked about. But what what were your some of your thoughts watching a guy that you respect kind of go through this? Cause I got a lot of respect for B flow too. We got a good relationship. Although when he comes on the pod, he came on the pod, bro. And it was like right before the pod turned on, we were like, yo, see long, yo. We were just like all these catching up, just shooting the shit. And then the 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 thing comes on and he's like, uh, he's like Bill. Like he just talks like Bill the whole time. And I'm like, where did my friend go? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like you said, like you're not shocked, but you are shocked that somebody was like, you know what, I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something about it. Yeah. Um, I even I even text him after like, hey, let me know how I can help you in whatever manner. Um, but I would say 
anybody that's been around him, you have a ton of respect for who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see him go through, it kind of sucked. Um, but, you know, I thought a huge shout out to Tomlin, um, bringing him on the staff and now seeing him go back, to, not back, but go to Minnesota to be a defensive coordinator again. Um, I think when you get a, when you get to be around him, you know that you're getting a good football coach. Yeah. Like I'm sure. And you saw even in Pittsburgh, like Pickett talked about Flo helping him get better at his two minute drive. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, Flo's a linebacker coach. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? But I think how well respected he is like, you know, he went to Miami, had two winning seasons, you know, he got fired, but it was kind of weird too, in a way. Cause it's it like, weird. You know, he has two winning seasons. You fired him. What a time to be alive, guys. You know, March is one of my favorite months to enjoy an ice-cold Miller light. whether I'm watching college hoops with my buddies or I'm heading outside because the weather's starting to improve, maybe going for a hike. Uh, there's nothing that can beat an ice-cold Miller light. Miller light has an incredibly dependable flavor. It's a light beer for people who love beer, whether it's celebrating a game winner or, you know, commiserating your bracket getting busted or it's uh, having a cold one on the trail. Miller Lite makes conversation with friends easy and fun. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks. Malted barley gives the rich, balanced, toffee note flavors and golden color you know and love. It's the original light beer and still the best one. Today is the perfect time for friends, family, and a great tasting light beer. Nothing beats the refreshing, clean finish. Tastes like Miller time. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com slash Greenlight to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. With Vroom, you can shop thousands of cars right from your phone and have your next ride delivered straight to you. I like to look at the listing on my couch. You know, it's peaceful, I can think. Nobody's trying to to get one over on me, you know? There's a lot of Tahoes out there. I want a Tahoe, you know, do I really need that package? Well, let me decide for myself, okay? With Vroom, I can do that. Vroom is the better way to buy your next ride. You never have to haggle or negotiate the price of a car, so you know you're getting a good deal. With thousands of cars available on Vroom.com, you can make sure you get the ride you really want so you don't have to settle. You have a full week or 250 miles, whichever comes first, to make sure your new ride is right for you. Plus, all cars on Vroom.com come with a 90-day limited warranty and one year of roadside assistance nationwide, giving you peace of mind while on the road. You can trade in your old car when you buy your new one, or you can even just sell your car to Vroom. When you sell your car on Vroom, you get a price instantly. 
You can buy a car from Vroom entirely online, so next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of cars. Good news, the Thursday show we do with AMP will continue 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fired off in the chat, we'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. All right, so to current events, just to finish with this man, like Brady, is he done? Like I, the question I asked you, because I feel like he's not done. Yo, I think he's done until Miami kind of worked itself out. I would not be. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to. But I would not be surprised if he decided, like, yo, I'm living in Miami now. They just got Jalen Ramsey. They got a lot of things that can go right over there. Two against one concussion, I would not be surprised if he came out there. Like, just knowing him, the thought that he can throw the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like, yeah. I could see him very excited. Little BBs the in the idea. middle of the field. Little BBs, man. Man, he would he would crush it down there. All right, so the guaranteed contract thing with uh, with Lamar and you know, following along with that whole thing. My take on it is, I get why owners don't want to give us guaranteed money. I'm also a player, <laughs> but I also understand why they don't want to give us the money, and I, I understand why not everybody would want to give all that that up for for Lamar. Like I get that, but I also do believe that there's probably a little bit of collusion, and uh, I, I do believe that uh, that that. You know, if I were a GM, I'd I'd entertain the the thought of giving up two firsts for this guy and and the guaranteed money. I know that might fuck the whole bag up for the owners, but like, what do you think about guaranteed money and what do you think about the Lamar situation? I think there's no doubt all the owners who are good friends. So, whatever owner, let's say like let's say Mr. Kraft is really good friends with I don't know name an owner. Let's say he's good friends with the Hunt family in Kansas City. When Deshaun Watson signed that contract, I guarantee they called each other and was like, yo, what the hell are they doing over there? And call it collusion or not, we're business owners. We own, we all invested in one business, the yeah. NFL. Mm-hmm. We all have our 32 divisions in that business, and we all want overall the business to be successful because right. you know how the NFL works. Yeah. It's all pots. Yeah. So even if we're the worst team, we still make good money being mm-hmm. a part of the overall big business. Mm-hmm. When we see somebody make a very bad overall business decision for the brand, I think they all were like, what are we doing now? Are they colluding against Lamar Jackson solely? Kind of. But if you were to ask two years ago, three years ago, hey, you guys didn't give anybody a fully guaranteed contract, they all would have said no. So like, this isn't new that they don't want to do it. It just looks worse now because Cleveland did it with Deshaun Watson. Um, But I think it's tough, I mean, because – I think Lamar Jackson is fighting for the overall player. And I don't think other people realize that. Like, he's not fighting just for himself to get this guaranteed money. Like, he could have signed a deal two years ago and be right back on the market probably in, like, three more years and sign a five-year deal, do something like that, get all that money, get three. So he could have signed a deal for 300 mil, yeah. play out the whole deal, 
and then get another deal for 250, 300 mil again or something. But I think he's trying to fight to push guaranteed contracts. What I, I, what I hate most about this is he can do this all he wants, but if those other guys don't follow, it's going to kind of be for not. Right. Like if Joe, if Joe Burrow, um, if all of these guys don't, don't, what's the name, uh, Herbert, if they go and sign, you know, the five year, $300 million contract or the long one, like uh, Mahomes signed, which I wouldn't be mad at them. Like, right, 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 right. That's because some guys get mad. Like some guys get like Jordan Poyer, I think signed a sort of a team friendly deal, like a little bit more stretched out, like, and he's an all pro safety and all that. Like, uh, you know, some guys are like, hey, I wish he signed for more money. But I also understand that some people do take team-friendly deals and spread the cap out and all that sort of good and stuff. Some people don't get, like, for some time, the deal's not there. Yeah. Like, we look at Gardner Johnson. We look at Poyer. Like, Jesse Bates was the only safety that jumped on this market. And, like – Bad team picked him six, up and paid him. He got 16 a year. But, like, everybody else hasn't been in that range. Yeah. And, you know, Poyer's 32 – he took a deal that he might have been able to get a little bit more somewhere else, but it was probably like get a little bit more somewhere else or continue to build on this brand yeah. that I now have in Buffalo. Yes. Which to me is a, like when you can do that, like Poyer, if that team wins a Super Bowl, Poyer will be a part of like one of the guys that I get mentioned every time they talk about that Super Bowl team. Yes, because it would be the first. And the, yeah. the, the value in that is you can't put that on paper on a contract. That value exactly. is like, that pays for itself the rest of your life. I remember Jules said that to me. He almost left. I forgot where he took a visit. And he came back. He was like, Bucks, where am I going to go that they're going to love me like this? <laughs> they love me in New England. And when you think about it, yeah. when Jules even comes back now, like yeah. he would have those pop-up shops. Everything he had at the pop-up shop would sell out. Gone. <laughs> because he, I mean, he is, he's a New England example. Small, tough, you know. Yeah, why? <laughs> Did I say that? Um, all right, so so uh, Pat's outlook, man. I got to tell you, I'm really excited about Bill O'Brien. I really am. Uh, I'm excited to be done with whatever that was last year. I love both. I think everybody's movies. excited about that. How, well, how fucked up was that? And how awkward is <laughs> it? Because you like those guys, but it's like. Bro, you, the crazy thing is, yeah, it, it looked better during the season than it looked in training camp. Oh. Like. If you go by training camp, I'm like, this is not good, like <laughs> at all. Like yeah. this is not yeah. good. Yeah. Um. But again, I said it all year. Those two guys are really good football coaches. Yeah. They just had to do something that was very hard to do that they've never done. Bro, I wouldn't but, like. I wouldn't like watching you play guard a lot. Yeah, like, so I. I mean, credit to them, which I know a lot of people won't like hearing that it even looked the way it did. Because they took something from like the ground and did all of that throughout the year with no true offensive background. Yeah. Like it wasn't like they could go and pull out their playbooks from years back yeah. of what to install. It was all like figuring it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's gonna be, I think, so much just positive energy and what's the name with Billy O, who knows what he's doing. He's done it for a long time. Um, so I think there's gonna be a ton of excitement with just Billy O being in there. Um, and I think even talking to Mac, like his relationship with Billy O being in there now, talking mm -hmm. ball, seeing some of the things that he's done before. Um, I, I'm excited for the group. I think yeah. I would, I'm not going to lie. I would have liked to see Jacoby back over Juju. Um, just my, my personal feeling. Um, I thought, 
I just think Jacoby is a guy. He's undrafted free agent who pans out because of hard work. Like I remember Bill, I remember Bill saying to him, you know, one time, like, yeah, hey, you're slow. And it was because like the dude worked on his speed. Yeah. So like he looked faster, like he was running faster than when he first got in the NFL. So like to me, when you have guys like that, that like when you look at Jacoby, you can guess that his better years are still in front of him. I just think having that in the locker room for young guys, and I think especially in that room over the years, you know, you lose Edelman. We really haven't re- we haven't replaced that room with a guy who is New England culture. You just don't have it. You know, you got Kendrick Bourne, you had Aguilar, you got uh, Devontae Parker. All of those guys are from other teams. So now you yeah. have Juju in there, another guy from other teams. I thought Jacoby would have been a great fit. Um, for younger guys that you bring in there to say, all right, like this is how I become a good football player. Like this guy wasn't rated high, didn't come like and look at him now. Like he's the best receiver on our team. Um, I don't know Juju personally. So but I think that they're going to need that leadership from the outside looking in. You wouldn't guess that you're going to get that over there. Yeah. But again, I, I don't know him. So. You could be blown away. No by TikToks it. in the building. That's that's for sure. You're not allowed to use your phone in the building and take pictures of yourself. Like I, I wonder really, how that's gonna work out, I man. You know, <laughs> rules change sometimes, man. Yeah, that's true. But maybe not for Juju. No disrespect to Juju. He's a good player, but like he's not the type of guy that changes rules. Speaking of a guy who might change some rules, okay. DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that like some people have fantasized about being in New England. You could tell the the adoration that Bill has for him, like as a football player, in that mic'd up moment where they met on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that because you were actually playing the fucking game, but I saw uh, it. but yeah. So like, you know, I, I I get excited thinking about something like that. Do you think a D Hop thing could happen? Would happen? And then do you do you have a short list of players that you would just love if there were no cap issues? If there, if you could just open up free agency that you'd love to see Bill coach that are in today's game because there's a couple players I'm like, man, I'd love to see just knowing the way Bill looks at players. Like he just, when they're on another team, he'll covet somebody, bro. Like he'll just, you just see him like with the pointer, like, look at this motherfucker. Like yeah. I, who, who is it that you could see in a Patriots uniform that might never play for the Pats? And do you think D hop could be one of those guys? So I, I, I definitely think D hop. Um, but what I always hate is even a guy like D hop is like, Bill gets him like later in his career, yeah. which would have been cool to see um, like in his career. I think Aaron Donald is another guy yes. because of how special he is. Um, but I'm going to even say like a guy like uh, Lamar Jackson, because yeah, like yeah. everyone always sees, always talks about his limitations. And in New England, it's all about let's play to your strengths. So I would be very interested if like if Bill had him, of what he would be like, hey, let's do this with him. Let's do that with him. Let's actually go play to his strengths, which would be pretty cool to see. Playing to your strengths. I don't know if that always happens in New England. <laughs> if, no, you're, if you're like a three technique or there a right head. <laughs> but no, I mean, I see. That's what I always heard about New England. <laughs> uh, but I think Lamar, I would, I, would, I would love to watch Bill like lean into that. You yeah, know, the way be, he just embraces cool. the deficiencies or whatever it is. And make I would love to see him either coach because New England hasn't done it in years. Yeah. Some of these guys that come out in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Yeah. Like every year you get like some of these guys who are even top five, I'll say, who are like man childs, but you only hear about them ever getting coached by Bill of when they're 30 plus. Yeah, exactly. Because you never have a chance at like I, I remember Tomlin told that um to um 
Chase and Washington. And he was like, man, I hope I never have a chance to coach guys like you because that means that means I'm last in the NFL the year exactly, before. Exactly. But, but it's true. Like, yeah. you never get to see him work with, you know, like a Richard Seymour who was drafted six overall. And then you look at what Seymour was able to do. Yeah. I think he says Seymour had like six sacks in college. Yeah. And you look at what his, his career in the NFL, Hall of Famer. Yeah. So, like, to me, it'd be interesting to see him be able to coach some of these guys um, not finishing, like, you know, come out in the top five of the NFL draft, too. Well, you got a lot of time to watch, man. You, uh, you, you got nothing but time. So maybe we'll see some of these guys, man. But I just, uh, I don't want to keep you any longer, man. I'm just appreciative of the time. And I just want to congratulate you one more time, bro. Much respect. It was fun. You were a great teammate. And uh, I think that's the best thing somebody could say about you. Obviously, a great player, but you made it fun to go to work in a place that, quote unquote, is not fun to, to work. I think it was. I thought it was pretty yeah, fun. You, well, you told Lane Johnson all the bad things. I, you guys are so, so fucking funny. You guys, here's the thing about you guys. Lane Johnson's like your best friend on the team. Yeah, no shit. Like the most negative things. To say what's he gonna, What's he going to say next? Uh, that the oh, the world is 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 round. You know, like you guys love to 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 put this this persona out there that is not fun there. And then when somebody's like, "Hey, it's not fun in New England," that's what I hear. It's like the end of the fucking world. You see that, don't you? I don't. I never said it wasn't fun. There just might. There might be some funner places out there. Okay. Oh, Devin McCourty said it. There might be funner places out there. Put it in quotes. Uh, but for the record, I didn't tell Lane that. I did. He just. He went rogue, bro. You got the same age as him. You know how he is. Uh, <laughs> all right, Devin McCourty, thirteen years. Congrats, bro. It was awesome, man. It was awesome Appreciate to watch. It, man. Yeah, man. All right. Howie Long Jr. Still my favorite. He all, is your so. favorite. <laughs> He'd love to hear that. I don't know if he listens as deep in the podcast. <laughs> All right, bro. Go enjoy your family, man. Thanks for the time. All right, bro.